The Angle proudly presents the world's most talked about pro wrestling sensation. It's the Angle Podcast. How exciting! Studios out in uh, uh, L.A. Hollywood, and he had he had this website called GeekWeek.com, and it it kind of was the two of us brainstorming together. When I had my ninety day no compete uh, from WWE, um, all I did was play Left for Dead ninety days straight. That's all I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so one of the guys I played with was the guy I'm talking about, and. Uh, we're just brainstorming about things to do. And uh, he wanted me to st- do a, a live streaming show on, on his website. And that was kind of the birth of it. So I started doing this live streaming show, which I was like, why don't we just record this and put this out as in many uh, formats as we can. And so, you know, so we was on YouTube. It was a live video pod. You know, of course we went to iTunes and I was in the iTunes top 10 all the time back then, you know, wow especially in sports category for a sports video pod. I was beating out UFC and uh, Major League Baseball, you know, so I was, I was doing pretty good with it. And I had some good names. You know, I had some UFC fighters on there. I had um, Capadonna from the Wu-Tang Clan. So, <laughs> it, yeah, I was, uh, I was just going crazy, man. I, I would just reach out to these people like, well, let me just see, just like you did with me. Let me yeah. just see if they say yes. Maybe they'll say yes. Exactly. And so it was just that, you know, just kind of having uh, having fun trying to do something that, you know, nobody else was doing at the time. So, um, of course, you know, it sounds like I had this great big brainstorm, but it really, <laughs> you know, just kind of sitting around with some buddies and tossing ideas back and forth. That's really, I think, how, how it starts. I mean, all the time with these situations where, like, you kind of, you know, have talks with friends and stuff like that. And then you think, you know, what, maybe I can do this. And you just, you know, you do it. It's. It's a pretty uh, cool scenario when it turns out like well, that. I think my friend Jeff, what his thing was, he's like, dude, he goes, you're the funniest guy I hang around. I want to pat myself on the back here. <laughs> but he's like, man, I hang around these comedians all the time. He goes, and they're like miserable when they're not on stage. <laughs> he goes, you're like funny all the time. He's like, and that, that was what the conversation, how it came about. Like, how do we channel that? Like, we know you can wrestle, but that can't last forever. And so it was just like how to channel the, uh, the actual real Shane Helms as opposed to a character that I was playing on the show. Of course, of course. Now, I know you spoke about uh, being furloughed by WWE. I know you obviously get asked about it all the time. It's a huge topic right now. Did you have any idea that this is kind of where they were going with that? I mean, the list that they put out, the amount of people, I mean, it goes back and forth with, with people's opinions. But was there any thought in your mind that, you know, maybe this can happen? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. When them, when them tickets stopped coming in, oh, it, there was no doubt. I was already I was already planning, you know. Uh, just at least I was preparing for the phone call, so it wasn't a big shock, you know. You got very little money coming in now, as in compared compared to what used to be, you know. So of course, it wasn't a shock to my system whatsoever. And I've been in this situation before. I'm, I, I was one of the newer guys, but and at the same time, I was in a transitional period to actual actually being an employee going from a talent contract to a uh, employee contract. So I was, you know, I was kind of like new to that part anyway. So um, it wasn't that big of a deal. And I thought it was kind of easy to, I understand why they did what they did. It's no, no heat skin off my back whatsoever. Yeah. Now, how was that transition uh, going from the talent to the backstage role? I know, you know, you see that a lot with, with big superstars today. I mean, is it, is it an easy transition? Is there some things you kind of have to, you know, test for task, I guess. Yeah. I mean, there's a learning curve. There's some things you got to start to do differently. You know, uh, there's a way that talent views management. Sometimes that isn't always accurate. There's a way that management views talent that isn't always accurate. So, uh, it's, it was interesting to be on the other side of the ball, so to speak to, uh, you know, like, wait a minute, this, this is a little bit different on this side, but, um, I enjoyed it. You know, I'm, I'm a creative person. I like being involved in the industry. Uh, and I actually like that producer job. I like that. Uh, I think that was a good fit for me. Um, and I, I like, I didn't have any plans to even climb the ladder. I wanted to stay there. You know, I didn't want to be in charge of creative or lead creative. I like being, uh, I like what that producer gig entailed, but um, there was some things that, you know, you kind of have to learn. Uh, 
you know, corporate meetings and stuff like that. Not really my wheelhouse, yeah. but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I was learning, or at least I was trying to adapt. Yeah, you sw- it's like switching that gym time and time with the boys where it's like, now you're in a different environment, all suited up, and you yeah. know, I, I totally get it. Um, was there any, uh, I don't know if you could say match or segment that you really enjoyed most that you were a part of creating uh, while in that producer role? Any that really like that when people ask you, that's the first thing that comes to mind? The, the first one that really comes to mind actually is the uh, Survivor Series uh, this past year where we had, I had the men's match where every match where it was a triple threat the entire time just because that had never been done. Okay. You know, so it, me and the, me and Jamie Noble worked on that together, and um, and a lot of guys didn't want to do that. They didn't want it to be a triple threat the entire time. You know, they wanted it to be two guys in the ring, and they could tag out to one of the three teams. You know, but um, we stuck to the guns, and you know, I remember telling the guys like, "Hey, we we don't know this won't work. It's never been done before. We yeah. don't know it won't work." If we if we try it, and it is risky to try it on a pay per view, no doubt that was, it was it was risky as hell. But yeah, I just knew with that talent and the amount of bodies that we had, that man, we could get something good out of this if everybody put their best foot forward. And I think it ended up stealing the show. I think so too. That I mean, the inclusion of NXT in general to that event was probably, I mean, it's probably one of my best, my favorite pay per views I think in a while, just because we saw so yeah. much action. Like you said, the triple threat, the inclusion of uh, NXT. Uh, yeah, I think that was. And I just- think the way we built it, the way we built the end, the finale with uh, Keith Lee and Roman Reigns, like, and yeah. we had that whole building believing that Keith Lee was going to come out with that. And even when he lost, still nobody really booed Roman Reigns. So it, it was good. It, you know, there was a lot of thought that went into uh, what we did with that. I'm very proud of that one. Of course, and I know you're. I know you're familiar with it, but that SmackDown. I think it's referred to the best SmackDown in the history of SmackDown. That uh, was in November first, when uh, with the travel issues they had, that nobody can get to SmackDown, and they had uh, Pat, I think oh yeah, Pat on, on there. Were you involved in that in any in any way? That was that after the Saudi show. I think it was the one. Yeah, where they got where they got stuck over there, or some. No, some, I was one of the guys that was stuck. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Either you there or you here? Yeah, so uh, yeah. how was that experience? I mean, it was really like the media that, really blew it out. Like unless they completely hit everything for me, yeah. I mean, like uh, all the talk about the plane. Like we had the one plane. It wasn't like in America where you own American Airlines and there's a bunch of planes out there. We had the one, wow. and we and we couldn't like interchange the flight crew because we brought them with us. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this, and a flight crew has to get a certain amount of rest, and the pilot has to get a certain amount of rest. And when the when the thing with the plane happened, the mechanical difficulties, and now the flight the pilot couldn't get uh didn't have enough rest. Like, I mean, that's a federal law that you know they they can't just go, hey, I'm okay, I can make it. You can't do that. Yeah. And like I said, we brought him with us. They didn't have just another flight a pilot they could call him. Go, hey. We yeah. need you to fly America. We got a bunch of angry assholes at it. But um <laughs> and then like that being said, man, we they we were we were put they put us in five star hotels. They were feeding us silly. And I didn't know about any of the drama that was being reported on social media whatsoever. And uh I remember I was literally taking a picture of a dessert because we're back at the hotel. And yeah, I mean it was aggravating being delayed, but you know, I've been traveling for quarter of a century now. So delays happen. You either get angry or you roll with it. You know, exactly. what are you going to do? And so anyway, we're back at the hotel and I'm over there with my phone, taking a picture of a dessert tray <laughs> to send back home. And then I get this text. Cause I guess, I mean, maybe I didn't have Wi-Fi while we were on the buses from the, uh, maybe in the terminal or something. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I hadn't messaged home in, in, in a few hours. And so then I get this message from a woman and she's upset. She's like, I heard you guys are trapped. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm, 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 I'm stuffing my face with this cake. That's why I trapped I am. Like, if this is trapped, I'm, I'm going to stay over here. Yeah. But, um, you know, then you hear all the weird stories. So I, I really can't tell you 100% for certain. I know exactly what happened, but I know I was treated fine. They treated us fine. A lot of the guys kind of get hysterical over anything. Some of the younger guys, you know, but yeah, man, I'm, I've had so many travel snafus. It was just another day, another day at the office for me. Of course. And that, 
I think more than anything, the fans were just making it way worse than it was on social media and just well, some of the web some of the websites were too, and I thought that was very irresponsible because they didn't care about our families reading that. My my dad got upset. My dad left work when he heard this news. My father, you know, my father's uh, sixty eight years old at the time. He left work, and I remember like not, not one of these reporters give a shit about that. Yep. They don't care about what they put in our families through, just putting this stuff out there, all these rumors. Yep. And in this day and age, rumors travel faster than facts. They just do, especially if they sound sexy. Yep. You know, so, uh, you know, and, and then when everything came out that we're fine, you know, I really didn't hear any of those sites going, hey, you know, we kind of jumped the gun on that one. You know, Never. the only person that really reached out to me, and all of these sites can get, you can, anybody can get a hold of me. There's nobody that's been more accessible in social media since it began than Hurricane Helms. No one, not one professional wrestler has been more accessible to me. And Sean Ross Sapp from fightpro.com, he's the only one that reached out to me and said, hey, man, are you okay? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. What the hell? Because like I said, I didn't know what was going on. So he, he gets my respect because, you know, he just took into consideration, you know, our families are going to be reading some of that rumor. So that, that did get me kind of hot. Yeah, and, and for me, being on the other side now before being, you know, just, just a fan in the stands now being on the other side, you know, having the interaction with people such as yourself, seeing those websites and, and those, uh, I guess, podcasters or interviewers just put out whatever to, you know, for more retweets and more comments. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, it kind of changed my perspective a lot of how I want to conduct my business. Yeah. Just that ex- that situation in itself just – the way that it was handled because everything that was put out, I mean, I think he was on ESPN too. They put something that it was completely inaccurate. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that <laughs> I figured out. Yeah. Out. You know, uh, Denzel had, he's, there's a very famous interviewer where he's talking to someone in media and he's just really, he said it better than, than I ever could, but he was just talking about how powerful of a responsibility that the media has just yeah. to be right. He goes, Everybody's trying to be first. How about being right? Yep. And like uh, that, that always stuck with me. And they never seem to uh, apologize to it for you. No, know, they don't care. Put out those facts and they just push it down their their newsfeed. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the way, we terrorized y'all's families uh, with this inaccurate information. But yeah. Uh, anyway, but I know that uh, with what is that ding? What is that? Somebody ringing in? Yeah, that's it's my phone going off. It's, I don't know. Oh, okay. Not to I didn't know if you had some kind of segment here. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll let you know. I don't know why that's even going off. But uh, back to what I was saying with uh, the furloughs and everything, we see a lot of stars uh, using that almost as a reset. Mm-hmm. I know that they've used Drake Maverick's situation on t- on NXT. We saw it on Raw with Heath Slater, um, EC3 reinventing himself Mm -hmm. um what are your thoughts on the direction that they're going now that you see some stars like this coming back i mean i know it's part of the the 90 day no compete clause july 18th that's kind of done uh but what is what is your your thoughts on that i mean uh anybody that can like uh somehow better themselves and present themselves differently so that they can create a new opportunity for for themselves i'm all i'm of course i'd always be a fan of that so uh you know, I liked it, the Jake, the Drake Maverick thing. I was, I keep saying Jake for some reason, but the Drake <laughs> Maverick thing, I, I really appreciated the hard work that he put into it. It did kind of send a weird message that this guy gets fired during a pandemic, but if he begs and pleads for his job back, he can get it. Yeah. That kind of sent a weird message to a degree, but at the same time, I think that um, young, young rock star Spud is doing some of the best work of his career right now. So I'm very oh, happy. Course, for I agree. Him. And uh, there's a lot more interest on that uh, cruiserweight title right now, more so than it's been in a while. If I'm being yeah. honest, you know, especially with uh, Santos Escobar, yeah, <laughs> which, uh, might be my favorite name going right now. So, um, you know, for, for, definitely for Drake, it worked out. EC3, I know, had wanted to uh, wanted to make some kind of change for himself anyway, even before the furlough. So, of course, this kind of presented a perfect time. Uh, what you see with Gallows and Anderson, you know. Uh, they're, they're constantly generating interest for themselves, yeah. you know, and they did that to get them to WWE. And mm-hmm. the second that they were out, they just picked up the ball right back up. 
You look at what the Revival did, FTR, you know, they kept that interest rolling. So there'll be some guys that, uh, you know, they push forward through it all. And yeah. there'll be some that kind of fade away. You know, that's that's going to happen. That's, that's always been the case. You know, I've been one of those uh, um, list of people that got let go. And like I said, some of those names are going to fade away and you won't hear from them again. And that's just, that's the nature of the beast. But there's going to be some people that plug along that, that you know, they get knocked down, but they're going to get right back up. Of course. And I know you, you were talking about in 2000, it was 2010 you first got furloughed from WWE, correct? Yeah. I like saying furloughed now. Furloughed. <laughs> That's my nice, favorite thing. It's a nice term. Yeah. Um, being uh, furloughed back in 2010 and now again in 20. So once every 10 years, I get furloughed by WWE. <laughs> I think that's my, that's my new game. Yeah. yeah. How is that? Is it different in any way for you now, you know, being in a different position in your life and, and you know, back then in 2010, how, how is it different? You know, man, I got lucky because I was really, uh, <laughs> I was in a, a weird place back then too. I kind of needed a break from WWE. I didn't want a break from wrestling, but I needed a break from WWE. Uh, I wasn't a fan of that ECW show that I was on. And, um, you know, I, I, that's the most handcuffed I think I'd ever felt my career was on that show. Yeah. And so I really wanted to get out of that, out of that, uh, you know, situation anyway. And I had already talked with, uh, you know, Johnny Ace, who was the um, head of talent relations at the time. I'd already talked to him about taking a break because my contract was up that year anyway. And so I'd already talked to him. I was like, man, maybe I just need to try something else for a little bit, you know, because yeah. I don't want to be on this ECW show. And the uh, ECW, if you remember at the time, was on the Sci-Fi Network, and they wanted the Hurricane character on that because I was the Sci-Fi character. They wanted me on that show. And I'm like, okay, but do something with me. then. if y'all are going to just keep me on that show, I want to do more. And we were kind of button heads creatively at that time. So uh, I wanted to take a break. So when I got uh, a <laughs> furlough, then like literally uh, it was, the, it was the easy, it was the easiest phone call that I bet they ever had to make. I was like, okay, I'm cool. No, no worries. No big deal. And, um, you know, I had so many opportunities at that time. I really didn't care. I was like, you know, after this 90 days is up, yeah, me in the world, you know, I'm gonna just keep doing my thing. And I did, I never disappeared. You know, I've been, I was all over the place, you know. Yeah. I know I signed a contract with, uh, God, what was the company? Oh yeah, Lucha Libre USA. I worked for them for a couple of years. I was just doing, I was having a blast on the Indies. I could just do whatever I wanted to, when I wanted to. If I wanted to take five months off, I could. I never did, but if I wanted to take, you know, three or four weeks, a month off, that's what I did. And you know, in the meantime, I uh, became a father, so it allowed me to be home. Like, I never wanted to have a kid when I was on the road. Yeah. That was one of the main things why I never had a kid when I was in WWE at the time, because I, I would be gone so much. Yeah. And I saw what that had done to other families. That's, I would see that. I would hear some of the conversations. And so, you know, I got to be home uh, with my son being born, and I was home for months after he was born. And then I would only, you know, do weekend shows, so. I was really in a good spot, very fortunate spot then. So now it's weird. You know, I'm a little bit more financially stable now than I was then. Uh, but because I got kids, I don't know if you're ever stable when you got kids. <laughs> uh, and because there's nothing really going on, you know, so I, I still got other ventures. So I still got money coming in. You know, like I said, I'm very, I'm very lucky, you know, in a lot of different ways, but um I, I don't really worry too much about it. You know, like when I got the text, you know, it all went up, it all went out in a mass text and a mass email. But then, you know, I got personal phone calls yeah. from uh, people in the company, you know, that they wanted to talk to me about it. And I was like, Hey, no, don't worry about some of these other guys, man. You know, yeah. I'll, I'll be okay. Wow. That's, it's a crazy story. And I know that you have one of the most, to me, at least one of the most interesting careers stemming almost 30 years, right? Th 30 years have almost been in the business. Uh, being involved in the business, yes, in excess of 30 years. I got involved in the business in 1988. That's when I got st first stepped in the ring. Uh, I got involved in, I guess you could say production back in the day. It was, it was basically ring crew, but that's a part of production. It just is. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, but at like 14, 15, I was helping book an indie company. Wow. Uh, at 15, I was a referee. No, at 16, I was a referee. 15, I was a referee. 16, I had my first match, and that was in 1991. Wow. So, 
So how did you really find pro wrestling? Was it something that you, it was just around in your childhood or someone introduced you to it or? No, my dad was a big fan. My dad was a huge fan. He would buy the wrestling magazines. He would watch, you know, every Saturday morning. If it was on Saturday evening, we'd watch it and I'd watch it with him. And he took me to a, uh, my first show with him. And that was in 1979 in Charlotte, North Carolina. So the first time I went to uh, see a big show and that was the NWA. Wow. That's awesome. And I was just, that was all I ever wanted to do, you know, and I, I had a really, you know, pretty strange uh, childhood. We moved all over the place. Uh, I was kind of academically gifted. I like to say kind of. I didn't stick with it. I feel like if I was smarter, I would have. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was, um, I mean, I took the SAT in seventh grade. You know, I was, uh, I was really one of those kids. But all I wanted to do was wrestle. You know, that's all I wanted to do. And so uh, 13 years old, uh, I was living in a town called Wendell, North Carolina, and a, a local company a local indie company came. And so I rode my bike a couple miles up the road, uh, stuck around after the show just to talk to some guys. I was 13, like I said. And um, one of the guys ended up being my tag team partner in Omega years later, Mike Maverick. He was one of the guys that go, yeah, you can, you can get in here. And it was real funny because talking to him years later, he goes, man, he said, I've never done that before or since. He goes, I don't even know why that day we let you get in the ring. He goes, but for some reason we did. Yeah. And then you stuck around. And you know, I just kind of had a, a, a mind for it because, uh, yeah. you know, because they would have these these like booking meetings, so to, so to speak. And there I was and probably 14 at that time. And I would just present ideas. And they were like, man, this little kid kind of, he's got a little head on his shoulders, you know. <laughs> and so I just stuck with it and, and never, never gave up. Even when I was going to college, I was going to college getting a dual degree. And I just like the whole time wrestling every weekend, working. And still and going to college every day, so wow, I just never gave up. And it's a tough schedule too, both you know staying in school and doing well, like you said, and also with the wrestling too. So that's a lot on your plate. Who are uh, some of your greatest inspirations or mentors throughout your career? Um, you know, I was really inspired by the totality of the show. You know, once I really fell in love with wrestling, I started to understand what was going on, what was really happening. Uh, I started to pay attention, not just to the top guys. And I think that's why it helped me the most was not just paying attention to what was going on in that main event, but watch the whole show, understand the structure of a show. So my inspirations are like pretty wide, you know, uh, and pretty vast. Um, as far as once I started working and, you know, we're just, you know, in, in uh, WCW uh, Canyon and DDP helped me more than anybody. You know, Eric Bischoff was the one that hired me. So I always got to thank Eric for that. Uh, but Canyon and DDP helped me so much. Uh, then you get to WWE, and I started to do this Hurricane character, which was really difficult, you know, at that at that time. So there was a lot of people, you know, uh, Undertaker was a good mentor. Flair took me under his wing here and there. So I was really blessed in the guys that took an interest with me, you know. Uh, and, like, even to this day, you know, I'll get a phone. It'll, Steve Austin will call me. We'll just talk about the business, different things, what what we like and what's going on. So uh, a, a lot of guys, you know, really inspired me in terms of how I handle myself and stuff like that. So yeah. Booker T, I just talked to Bubba Ray the other day. You know, I love what Bubba Ray's doing on uh, Sirius XM. You know, wow. Booker T and the Black Snow character is, the, uh, <laughs> is my new favorite thing on Twitter, seeing some of those clips. Yeah, is that in the TNA days? <laughs> yeah, Black Snow. I just had on uh, Dave LaGreca yeah, yeah. Uh, last week. And we were talking about bully or Bubba bully, whatever, whatever he goes by today. It's crazy that, um, that those, those guys that you list, I mean, those are like the, the top guys. I mean, people who are not necessarily wrestling fans will know those names, those, those really yeah. iconic names. So that's, that's cool. I mean, th th those are the people who, who took you under their wing source, like you said, and, and gave you that advice. Um, now jumping to 2018, the Royal Rumble, how did that play out, being that surprise entrant? Because I have to say, there's two pops that I think in my entire life that I, I've never been able to, like, compare to anything else. And one is when the Hardys come back at WrestleMania, and two is when the Hurricane comes out in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> you know, Carolina boys, man, you know, um, yeah. 
that came about actually i can tell you exactly step by step how that came about <laughs> enzo amori was the cruiserweight champion he got in trouble something happened with him and i don't i don't know all the details i don't like speaking on that but he has like some kind of problem and i guess they let him go he got furloughed and so i still have the wcw cruiserweight title and so and i have a replica of the wwe cruiserweight title that i held forever and so I just put up an Instagram picture of me holding those two championships just in reference because now the Cruiserweight title was vacant. And I was just like, hey, WWE, I know a guy like that. You know, just being funny. I, I, I mean, if you see me on social media, you know I am. I, yeah. Sometimes I have an agenda, but for the most part, I just put out stuff to make people laugh, make people pop. That's what thing. So that was what that was. And uh, well, apparently it went viral. <laughs> and so... Uh, <laughs> And I know I had known that my name had came up in previous rumbles about a surprise appearance, but I was either injured or I was working for another company. You know, the, I was just recently with Ring of Honor, uh, you know, 2018. I was TNA for a couple years before that. So whatever the case might have been, when my name did had had came up in the past, it just didn't work out. Yeah. But now my name comes up again because of that Instagram picture. Wow! I happen to be free, no injuries. So it just kind of worked out perfectly. Wow. And even being involved in that match, and then you have John Cena, you know, that whole scenario with you, with him in that match. That I mean, like I said, being a wrestling fan, one of the biggest <laughs> pops. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and John was super gracious. I knew that spot, you know, if I was going to do another Bushwhacker spot, you know, they realized afterward they should have left me in there longer. But sometimes you don't know. They just kind of wanted me to pop me in there and uh, – see what would happen you know they had already had a ray ray was going to be in there for a longer time so they kind of wanted to separate the two ideas one be quick one get some time and i understand that you know no no big deal but i don't they certainly didn't expect me to get that pop yeah and uh <laughs> but like i knew uh if i was going to do the bushwhacker spot again since i had did it once before with austin and triple h uh in 2000 and whatever year that was um uh, yeah, I went there when I was talking to Cena, I was like, man, it has to be you. And he was like, yeah, 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 it does. <laughs> and so he was cool, man. He was cool in the game. So uh, if he said no, I'd have had to figure some other shit out. <laughs> Luck, luckily, wow. he said, yeah, and uh, it worked out great. Awesome. It worked out great, except for when he threw me over, I almost broke my damn back st stepping on those pancakes because the pancakes were all over the floor. Oh, I about man. busted my ass. <laughs> those pancakes, man. <laughs> I know, uh, well, I, I want to get over to the different characters that you've had over the years. You have, you know, Sugar Shane, the Hurricane, Gregory Helms. What is your favorite era of yourself or favorite character that you've played? Well, I mean, the Hurricane was a lot of fun. And, I mean, it was probably the most difficult challenge, you know, because it, it was one of those things. It was never supposed to last that long. It just wasn't. You know, uh, Stephanie McMahon, she was the one that presented the idea to me. Uh, and her exact words were, we'll give it a couple weeks, a few months at the most. Yeah. And that was in 2001. So wow. um, very challenging. You know, I, I think I made it look easy. And because I did, people thought it was easy, but it wasn't. You know, and if you remember that roster at that time, the most stacked roster that there has ever been, ever in the history of the business. <laughs> and there I am dressed up like a damn superhero. But, um, <laughs> you know, like I said, I, I made it work and I – just by commitment alone, I think I made that work. But my best body of work in terms of wrestling was when I was Gregory Helms, you know, when I made that heel turn. Yeah. And I'm more known for the Cruiserweight title run, but if you go back and watch, man, I'm working Batista, I'm working Booker T. You know, I was in there with, I was out of that division as much as I was in. Yeah. Um, and so anytime they needed anything, they would come to me. And I remember I was doing commentary one time and I, I think it was, I don't know why I was doing commentary, but they sent me out there as Gregory Helms to do commentary in a match. And maybe it was watching a Jimmy Yang match or something. And I made this comment about how I was somehow the most overworked yet underutilized guy in the entire business. And I came back and Vince was like, that's a good line. And I was like, yeah, cause it's true. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I remember at that time too, I was a teenager watching you as the Gregory Helms character. And that, like you said, the cruiserweight title reign, is really iconic I, I think for that generation of uh pro wrestling fans and i remember you know being a teenager you're not really popping for the heels at that time 
Now it's more of a mainstream thing where people cheer for the bad guys. But at that time, I think it was more just, I enjoyed the character, you know, the Gregory Helms character. It was fresh. It was something new that we hadn't really seen in WWE, especially being in a cruiserweight division where that was majority of where I think the fans eyes were, you know, with that title. And I I don't know. I I think I, I really do appreciate and, you know, the commitment that you had from going from the hurricane being that comedy guy to that heel character and really, you know, really getting it over as a heel. I don't know. I just, yeah. Yeah. And that was difficult because I didn't have a good heel turn. You know, it wasn't really a significant heel turn, yeah. you know, so going from this character that people really love to trying to make everybody hate me, you know, and there was a lot of little subtle things I did um, that people now understand what I was doing, but at the time they really didn't. And, but, but it was interesting. It was fun to do, but you know, sometimes because I would like make myself angry because I wanted to present a negative injury in energy when I, whereas the hurricane, I wanted to be happy and stuff like that all the time. And I would go out there smiling and I think people pick up on that. People perceive that, you know, and I think that's what makes a good character and a performer, you know, people pick up on your energy. They pick up on your vibe. Or as Gregory Helms, I would have to put myself in the angry place. You know, I'd be back there, and I would just think about stuff that would make me mad so I could walk out to the ring and be like, whatever. The... But after it was over, sometimes I would still be angry. <laughs> <You> know, <so laughs> yeah. Later on that night, it was kind of hard. To, I was like, man, I got to get back to my happy self again. So that was the only negative part about being, uh, you know, you hear uh, some actors uh, talk about it, like when Jack Nicholson was talking about the Joker and stuff like that. It's like, man, it just puts you in a dark place. Like I never <laughs> understood or believed that shit until I had to force myself to be angry four nights a week, you know, it did, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty interesting. And how, how did that heel turn really come about? Because the hurricane character was doing, I mean, it was, it's one of the most iconic, I think, iconic characters, I think for me of all time, when it comes to, when Thank it comes you. to gimmick, like gimmicks, you know, how did yeah. that, how did they decide, or if it was you or the company to really, it was, it was both, it was both, but I felt like it was time. Cause I, you know, after, after me and Rosie won the uh, tag team titles, and and then like we lost them to uh, Trevor Murdoch and uh, Lance Cade, and we were doing okay. Like we we were doing good merchandise. We were getting the reactions, but I just felt like okay, they're not going to do as much with it. They're not going to do much more with this character. Yeah. And you know, you got to be wise to that. So yeah. you know, I mean, it, it was my idea. I kind of had been pushing for it. I think I had pushed for it even before Rosie, and then when the Rosie idea came kind of put it on the back burner because I started having a lot of fun again with Rosie and yeah. uh, you know, and we ended up being way more successful than they thought we were going to be uh, as a tag team anyway. So, um, but I saw that, but there was a ceiling to how far they were going to let that character go. So, yeah, uh, you know, I had to branch out and I had to, because I was so good at the comedy and when they needed a funny guy, I was the guy they went to. And it didn't matter that I could do all these other things. You know, it didn't matter how good I could still wrestle. If yeah. they needed a comedy, that's what that's what they knew me as. And so the Gregory Helms thing was, a, I had to remind them of what I could do in the ring as well. And I remember, you know, only a few weeks in, I came uh, through the curtain and Arn Anderson was right there. And he goes, damn kid, I forgot how good you were. Wow. And I was like, I was like, I appreciate it, you know. And I did appreciate it, but at the same time, I was like, damn, I guess the, uh, <laughs> You know, you can actually work the people behind the scenes, too, because they really felt like the hurricane, like I was really the superhero guy. And I was like, that was y'all's idea. Y'all, y'all wanted me to do that. Yeah. Wow. And I know a little bit, I mean, I've read and I've seen in interviews here and there uh, how the character was created, the hurricane, uh, with the Green Hornet ring and was Stone Cold and, and The Rock. How did the that green happen? lantern ring, man? Don't green you lantern, put no lantern. green hornet shit. Hornet. <laughs> Come on. I know, I know people say it all the time. Green hornet, green lantern, green lantern. Sorry, man. <laughs> oh, no problem. Yeah, so, so what was the question? How did how did the character uh develop? Because I know it was some from Stone Cold and The Rock, where I read so I read something like that, that it was it was they saw the ring and then it was like, I don't know, something like that. Now I have a Green Lantern tattoo on my shoulder. Okay. And so um, 
you know, and I would always wear comic book shirts. I got one on, well, this is my shirt now, but it's comic book style. I would always wear comic book shirts backstage anyway. I never hid that I was a comic book fan. See, now in the, you know, the age of the Marvel taking over Hollywood, everybody's a comic book fan, but it wasn't the case back then. Yeah. And so um, they knew I was a comic book fan, and um, the whole gimmick kind of came about. Well, now I'm Hurricane Helms. I was Gregory Helms on my TV debut in WWF at the time. And uh, but then I became Hurricane Helms, and but I'm still dressed like Sugar Shane, uh, wrestle like Sugar Shane, no character, just Hurricane Helms. And I'm doing a backstage skit with Steve Austin, and you know the script was kind of ad lib stuff. We had bullet points, but I didn't really know what I was going to say because I didn't know what Steve was going to say. And he's Steve Austin; he can say whatever the fuck he wants. You know, <laughs> I'm I'm just hoping I don't get fired. Yeah. I'm hoping I don't get furloughed. <laughs> furloughed. <laughs> and so uh, Steve asked me about my tattoo. And I just started talking about the Green Lantern like it was a real person. And to this day, I don't know why. But wow. I was like, yeah, he knocked out Superman one punch. Bang! <laughs> and like, I don't know why the hell I was talking like that. <laughs> and um, somebody thought it was funny. And so then I had a couple of weeks of, uh, you know, it's like, okay. Because this was during the invasion angle. And it's like, okay, say something. But then kind of, you know, kind of trail off into a comic book thing. I was like, okay. And I would just... Not really knowing where they were going. I just kind of assumed I was going to be a guy who liked comic books. And uh, so I would just trail off and just talk about some kind of weird comic book shit. And then, um, you know, and then uh, a week or two later, a couple of weeks of doing that, I know I ended up giving Steve Austin a Green Lantern shirt on TV. And you can't imagine how DC Comics had to be thrilled about that. They, even, <laughs> they invited me to their office in New York. And they gave me like one of everything. They just gave me boxes of swag because wow. millions of people on TV just saw this guy that nobody knows give a Green Lantern shirt to Stone Cold Steve Austin. And yeah. took it. <laughs> wow. And so, um, so anyway, then, you know, a couple of weeks later, whatever, Stephanie McMahon presented the idea to me, you know, about having a full cape and a mask. And I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. You know? <laughs> wow. Interesting story. And I know, uh, referencing The Rock too, beating The Rock. I mean, that's a lot of what people talk about when it comes to the Hurricane character. Yeah. Um, how how did you feel? Because I remember that that segment before the match where you were in his dressing room and you were talking about the Scorpion King, and it was it was, I mean that that whole thing, man, was really like I I think one of the most iconic Raw scenes that I've ever mm-hmm. experienced with that segment and going on to that match, eliminating The Rock, you know, and winning. So how, how did that feel? I mean, being, being or experiencing yourself. Uh, it was, it was pretty good, but I think you combining the two, uh, the one with the Scorpion King, that was a different one. That was the first time we ever did anything. And then right. we, uh, we were right. in a battle Royal later that night and he came in, he actually eliminated me out of the battle Royal, but gotcha. when yeah. he came to get me and I started firing back on him, I can yeah. hear that crowd go crazy. And even after he eliminated me, I was like, man, like, you just kind of hope that creative heard that, that they picked yeah. up on that. And luckily they did. And so then we had a couple of weeks of more backstage promos. The one most famous where I was hiding in his locker room and jumped out and he had a tiny thing laying that one. And then, and now we fast forward, we go to Cleveland, Ohio, and we do, uh, that's where we do another backstage promo that leads into the match. But the match is already announced at that point, I think. So, gotcha. Um, but it was insane, man. It was a lot of pressure on me, believe it or not. You know, I think uh, a lot of people don't realize that all the pressure was on me that night. Because if, yeah. you know, The Rock's going to uh, WrestleMania against Austin, that's already in the works. Yeah. If the match with me absolutely sucks, he's still going to WrestleMania with Steve Austin. Yep. If the match with me sucked, you would have never heard of me from me again. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so all the pressure is on me, 100%. But um, The Rock is just awesome, man. He's an awesome guy behind the scenes. He was an awesome guy to work with. Uh, I don't have anything bad to say about that guy, man. That was just – that was a, a really fun time. Wow. And him, you know, being in that scenario with, with The Rock, I mean, at the time, he was just – I think he was just breaking out really big in Hollywood, right? 2003, yeah. 2004 time. And yeah, that's when he was Hollywood Rock. Yeah, Hollywood Rock. And, I mean, to be in, to be in that position – just shows how much they believed in you. I mean, being so committed with the character and, you know, showing really how much you love the business, you know, for the rock to be able to be in that situation. They, they wouldn't just do that to anybody, you know, 
especially like, like yeah but rock, the rock had to push for it the rock really liked yeah. the character yeah and he really liked the entertainment and he saw how hard i was working for it so um you know uh if he didn't push for it it wouldn't have happened the the, the promos would have happened but the match wouldn't have went down especially with me going over wouldn't have went out unless the rock without the rock pushing for it so of course um but then again, you know, the company the company had to agree to it. So there were people, there were quite a few people in creative that were really behind me. Not 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 100%, but uh, there were certain, I, I did have some allies. Gotcha. And speaking of allies, now I'm going to talk about the allies you had uh, at ringside or in the ring. You know, you had assigned sidekicks. You had Molly Holly, Rosie, Stacey Keebler. What, were yeah. your, what are your thoughts or what were your thoughts being uh, – aligned with them or all individually and Stacy and Rosie at one time. I mean, it, it was fun. You know, I, each one of them was different. You know, I, my first one, was actually, well, I know when I came over with WCW as a part of the Alliance, they would put different ones with me. Like I had Toy Wilson, yeah. uh, you know, they team with, I would team with her. Uh, and then they put Avery with me and um, you would see matches. And sometimes I would team with Lance Storm and Avery would, would be with us. And then Mighty Molly came along and, you know, I chose, I chose Molly over Ivory. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, each one of them just brought something different to the table, you know, and uh, I mean, I love teaming with Rosie. I actually wasn't on board for that in the beginning of uh, the idea. Cause I'd already had a sidekick. I'm like, man, I got to do this again. Did we do this? And, um, but they presented the idea to me and we were patterned off, uh, of the TV show lost Hurley. There's a big guy named Hurley, and I always forget the little guy's name. <laughs> Those two guys are who me and Rosie were patterned off of. Wow. And, but I, and I, like, I like Rosie so much as a human being that we became close. And it really showed, uh, I think, in our work. You know, we worked really hard. And they didn't, they didn't have any major designs for that, for that combination. But uh, it was one of those things where we just got over with the crowd. We got over with our work. And yeah. – you know, when we became the tag team champions, you know, it was a big, it was a big moment for us. Yeah. Stacy was, a, that was our idea. That was a based up. We did, um, cause we were doing some kind of match with, uh, Maven and Simon Dean when he was doing the uh, Richard Simmons gimmick. Yeah. And something where they were bullying Stacy and me and Rosie saved her. And then her mask is really just one of my merchandise masks that she cut the green off of. Oh, wow. Put it on. <laughs> and then, you know, she came out with that little outfit and Vince loved that. And she loved it and we loved it. So we just had, we kind of created that gimmick for ourselves. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. And now, you know, being almost 30 years in the business or involved in it somewhat, um, I think a hall of fame induction is inevitable for you. I know a lot of guys, they don't like to like talk about it cause you know, for whatever reasons, but um, what are your thoughts on, you know, being possibly inducted into WWE hall of fame and who do you think would you would pick to induct you? Um, I mean, it might happen. Who, who knows if it really will? Though there's a lot of people that deserve to go in there too, so that aren't in there. So who knows? Um, as far as who would induct me, uh, probably Matt or Jeff. You know, I'd probably uh, want one of those guys to do it. Um, you know, if Chris Canyon was still around, I wish. Yeah, you know, I would like for it to be him, but of course. Um, it had to be somebody like that, or you know, even even Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart was uh, the whole three count, I, three count gimmick in WCW was Jimmy Hart's idea, so he might be another one. But you know, it's got to actually happen first before I put too much thought into that. Of course, of course, I know that. But um, I know that you're very active on social media. It's um, kind of how I came across, you know, to, to talk to you. And uh, you always discuss everything that's going on with different companies that are around impact and AEW, and you've been a producer, you've been a part of the product everywhere. Uh, what do you see right now as, you know, your, your, your spot where you are, you know, where you're invested uh, when watching the product? Uh, you mean what product do I like the best or what do you mean? Yeah. That's in other words. Yeah. Uh, man, you know, believe it or not. And there's going to be people that, cause when I post about it, don't believe it, but, what impact wrestling is doing right now is, is the most interesting stuff. You know, I, I watch impact and then on Wednesday night, you know, I love, I love the AEW versus the NXT war. I love that Wednesday night war, so to speak. Yeah. There's a lot of good stuff. Ring of honor is kind of like, you know, they're doing this, they're, they're kind of on hiatus right now. They're putting out content, but 
it's not in ring it's not storyline uh you know storyline driven um raw at raw at times can be tough you know and it was tough when i was there i understand through three hours every monday night it's just a lot to sit through sometimes yeah and, and without fans especially I can't wait to have fans back in the audience, man. You know, I've always appreciated fans, but I think now the industry more than ever understands how vital fans are to what we're doing. But uh, I mean, back to your question, impact AEW and NXT, you know, that that's the stuff that's really driving me right now. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I was talking about. Cause I, I keep referring back to Dave LaGreca because I just, I recently just spoke to him a few days ago and we were both discussing what is you know our favorite spots right now and for him he's more into that uh, he was a fan of the georgia uh championship wrestling he loves mm-hmm. watching nwa me i have to, i agree i'm agreeing with you i said impact just because you're not seeing much difference from when there was fans and when there's not fans you know everything still feels the same the vibe is the same and they're utilizing their stars i mean for example mm-hmm. what we saw with tommy dreamer last week that promo he gave with moose fantastic you're not going to see that in WWE today. You're not going to see, you know, uh, let alone Tommy Dreamer, you know? So I think that what they're doing with utilizing. I'm looking you know, forward to, sl- I'm looking forward to Slammiversary big time. Yeah. 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 Looking so forward to it as much as I'm looking forward to anything else. Yeah. And there's, I mean, there's rumors circulating. I don't know if they're true or not with, with these, these companies that uh, Gallows and Anderson are on their way there. And I don't know how true that is or not, but I mean, anybody who shows up, I mean, it, it I don't know for me, Impact right now is like where I'm completely invested. I watch everything, but for Impact, I don't know. It just it's a different it's a different feeling than what I mean what I'm used to seeing from that product. Yeah, yeah, I like Impact, and I like you know AEW is still so fresh. You know, I'm still uh, check, checking all that out, and I'm getting used to those new characters. But you know, I mean, there's some really good content out there. You know, it, it's yeah. definitely missing something because of you know not having our audience out there. But yeah. there's still some good content out there, and I. I'd rather have this more than not have anything. But at the same time, with everything that's going on, I, I like being at home. <laughs> I just got an offer today to go do an appearance in North Dakota, and I was just like, no. Yeah. I, and I've ter- I've had more than once since this you know COVID thing has started, uh, several offers to go do this, to go do that, and I'm just like, no. I said, uh, I, you know, I appreciate it so much. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm staying my ass home. <laughs> <laughs> now it's going to kind of lead me into my next question was what's next for, you know, Shane Helms, the hurricane. What, I'm what, still, I'm still in contact with WWE. You know, they, uh, I chat with somebody from there every week and, uh, you know, when live events start back up, that's probably when you'll see me come back. If that's the case, of course. uh, I'm back training again because there have been offers for me to put the spandex back on. I never actually retired from in-ring competition. I never oh, uttered those yeah, words. I've never heard that before, so I don't know. Yeah, I never I uttered those that. words. So, yeah. Um, seeing how the body comes back together, I will be 46 in a week. So, and I, I took my first bump at 13 years old. So, <laughs> the body, the body's a mess. <laughs> if, if I'm being honest, the body's beat to death. But I got a couple more. In. I got, a, I got a little bit left in the tank. So we'll see how that goes. I just really gotta. It's a wait and see thing right now. You know, of course. And uh, th- that was kind of what I was going to go with the next one, too, with uh, if you saw yourself, you know, staying in the ring or just, you know, being outside, uh, where do you where do you see yourself, you know, with the next and the upcoming time? There's really no timetable for anything right now with what's going on. So that was yeah. kind of where I was going to go with that. Um, it, it's hard to say, you know, like I said, until this picks up, who knows, who knows what can happen. Um, but I do have a couple of goals, but there's certain things. And I've always been like this. I keep it. I keep it close to the vest, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't talk about shit to the shit to talk about. Um, in, in terms of what I do with, with my career, you know. So, um, right now I'm just uh, uh I'm just working on getting back in shape, you know. Mainly just because I need to, as a matter of fact. But uh, also, I mean, if I am, if I if the furlough continues, and to me, until I go back, a furlough is being the same as firing. You know, that's just how I look at it. Unless I go back, you know, this could. That could have been my last run there. And uh, if everything picks up and I don't go back there, I'll still be doing appearances and stuff. And I got to get, I got to fit back in the spandex anyway. So uh, (laughs) that's my goal right now, just to get back in spandex shape and uh, just go on from there. Awesome. Awesome. And I know, you know, the world being in a weird place right now, you, especially uh, 
being in a position where you're given this gimmick and you're like, well, you know, I'm going to make it work, but it, it's, it's weird at first. And, you know, we're seeing stars like Apollo Crews and Sean Spears across the board trying new things. Is there any advice for anybody watching that you can, that you can give, uh, you know, being in this pandemic right now in, an, in a weird situation, how do you get your character over try, while they're trying new things in the ring? Like uh, well, commitment is number one. Commitment is everything, you know, and I, I've seen guys try new things for the sake of trying new things, but their heart's not in it. Of course. Or maybe their heart's not in it, and maybe they're just not as good as an actor as they think they are, you know, and that's part of it. That's part of the gig, you know, when, especially when it comes to promos. And so um, you got you to be, if, if it's a character gimmick, something like Hurricane, you've got to be committed to it, no matter what. But, of course. Um, and it's got to be something you're comfortable with, too. You know, don't do don't do something different just to be different. You know, it needs to be something that's authentic and that you can really put all because I mean the thing with the hurricane, even though it wasn't my idea, I'm a lifelong comic book fan. Like I, that was so easy. You know, yeah. uh, the main writer with WWE at the time, Brian Gerwitz, wanted to do a superhero character. Here comes this massive superhero fan who happens to be a wrestler, and it just fit perfectly. And I because I was comfortable with it. So it needs to be something you're comfortable with and you just got to commit to it 100%. Awesome, man. And I do appreciate that because, you know, we see a lot today, uh, these kind of gimmicks where in your situation, they're, they're a little weird. They're not comfortable with it. And I think more than ever, you can see it now. You can see the authenticity on screen mm -hmm. and uh, all, all the respect, you know, to you for being able to pull that off the way you, you did for so long. Uh, yeah, is there any you. last things you have, uh, any last words you have for anyone listening uh, who want to hear more from you, who want to hear how it helms or you know, your Twitter? Oh, yeah, definitely uh, on uh, uh, all social media fronts. It's at ShaneHelms.com. That's because my website is ShaneHelms.com. Um, if you're talking about podcasts, I got Highway to Helms. That's out. Uh, it's about every week and a half, I think, is when I do it. I was trying to do it every week, but sometimes I just get lazy. <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, it's about every week and a half, you know. It's a one-man show. I try to keep it light, about 45 minutes. I don't give you these three-hour trilogies. Of course. Um, and, and also, I uh, just partnered with uh, the Pro Wrestling Report uh, 360, which is partnered with Fight TV. And so every week, we bring you – every Thursday night, we do a show called Prime Time with Hurricane Helms. It's myself, Dave Hero, and Damian Nelson. And we kind of cover everything in the wrestling world. Uh, and that's really – rejuvenated uh, my interest in the business, even though I never had lost it. Like now I'm paying even closer attention to everything. So I can talk more about it in detail on the show and I'm having a blast with that. So actually two podcasts out a week, you know, it's a uh, highway to Helms and primetime with hurricane Helms. So check out both of those and you can have, you can find out everything about those two shows on at shanehelms.com. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. I want to thank you for, you know, taking the time to do this. I know I've been chasing you for a little while and I'm, I'm glad we finally were able to do this. And uh, I hope everything works out for you, man. And you and your family stay safe during these crazy, crazy times. Uh, you too, man. You too, man. You guys stay safe. And uh, I appreciate you reaching out. And I'm glad we could uh, connect, man. Thank you, man. And before you go, remember that The Angle is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Rate us and leave a review, and we'll read it live on the air. See you on the next episode.